So I want to uh, go through Psalm 90. It's a favorite psalm of mine, uh, particularly for verse 12, uh, the verse that Dick read, So teach me to number my days, or to make my days count, that I would present to you a heart of wisdom. <clears throat> it is a psalm on aging, whatever age you are. It's written by, it's the oldest psalm in the Psalter. Written by whom? Tell me, what does your Bible tell you? Moses. Uh, somewhere in the desert wanderings. You know, he was 80 years old when God called him. Uh, so, and he spent 40 years leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and wandering around in the desert. And out of that psalm, out of that experience, he writes this psalm. So, uh, I want to encourage you this morning to catch a fresh vision for what God has for you. Out of your experiences, whatever they are and whatever age you are, God wants to use you in a powerful way. Let me say it again. Whatever age you are and whatever experiences you may be going through or will go through or have had, God wants to use those in a powerful way to, to give strength to others and for your own exaltation and joy in Christ. So uh, the, the psalm divides very easily. I have the outline there in your bulletin. Uh, live with an eternal perspective, first of all. By the way, I think that's one of the things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know above all else. Live with an eternal perspective. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. Abraham looked for a city and builder whose maker was God. You're always looking at things that are unseen because they're more real than the things that are seen. That's the importance of living by faith. Now, it's fascinating to me how Moses starts this. He says in verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. <clears throat> One of the great truths of the Bible, God is eternal. He is trustworthy. He is there again and again and again. He always has been and he always will be. Now I want to say that we go through tough times in life, <clears throat> hard times, and Moses will amplify those here in a minute. But remember that God is in charge of our lives. He always was, He is, and He always will be. And He is the same today, yesterday, today, and for how long? Forever. And we can trust Him. And Moses asserts that right off the bat. So whatever happens in your life, remember verses 1 and 2. You have been our dwelling places forever, O God. Our rest, our, I, our existence is in you. You know, Paul said in Colossians, we exist through Christ. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Moses understood that. Before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are. He sees every moment you live. He sees all the generations that have ever lived. You know, I want to say, I like to use the expression, we are all like a turtle on a fence post. Somebody put us there. It's the grace of God that enables you and me to be where we're at this day. 
and enjoy the experiences we have with God, even the hard things in life. It doesn't matter. God is in charge of our life, and he's leading us through the desert wanderings that you may be going through, or will go through, or have been through. Verses 1 and 2. So I want to go to verses 3 and 6. And, and this is where older people come in. Remember, life goes fast. You know, if there's a comment I hear that's common amongst older people, uh, and I mean older, anything above 60. I mean, you may think this when you're younger too, but particularly with older people, you know, life goes fast. Look at the verses. You turn man back into dust. And by the way, God is the one who sets the limits of our lives. Psalm 139, 14, he ordains all of our days before we've ever lived one of them. And he says to us, guys, men, women, you only have so many years to live. You turn man back into dust. You say, children of men, return. A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You've swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass, which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Towards the evening it fades and withers away. You know, read the book of Job. As he goes through his excruciating pains in life, he comes back to trusting God again and again. I don't know why you're doing this, God. It's painful and it makes my life so hard, but I trust you. I remember I was sitting at the table. Uh, this is, golly, maybe I was 35 years old. My mother was visiting us. We had three little people. By the way, uh, Larry and Fran and Dick and Kathy, we all know each other from a number of experiences, but our kids growing up. Anyways, my mother was sitting at the table. Jonathan, our youngest, was maybe six months old. He was still in a high chair. And we were sitting there having a breakfast, I think, at our breakfast table. And my mother just starts laughing. And I said, Mom, why are you laughing? She said, my, my real name is Harold. I go by Hal all the time, though. She says, Harold, you have no idea how much your son looks like you. And I'm thinking of you when you were that little. You know that life goes fast. I hear it again, and where did the years go? I have a grandson turning 16, and we're heading to California to celebrate that birthday with him next Saturday. My kids, I mean, where did they, how did they age so fast? You know, Robin and my, our Bethany is, are the same age. I, it flies by. You know, so I want to say, be aware of what's happening at every age, don't stop to understand the value of what God wants to do in your life. At any age, because it happens so fast, he's watching. Now, a big part of this psalm is the next uh, several verses, verses 7 through 11. And I want to see if I can give you some perspective on these. For we have been consumed by your anger. You may think, well, I thought God loved us. What does his anger have to do with this? Let me read these. We have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days have declined in your fury. I mean, they go so fast. They're declining because you don't like something about me, your fury. 
and we have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, maybe 80. Yet, I'm, by the way, I'm officiating a, a memorial service in mid-November for a, a gal who is 103. She has a very dear friend, Sandy Edmondson. Some of you may know of her. I've heard of her. She's a, she had a brilliant Bible teaching ministry here in Dallas for 65 years more. Uh, and she lived well past 80. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? Now let me just put this in perspective for a little bit. You remember where Moses was when he wrote this? What if you had to live 40 years in the desert wandering? And you remember God said that everybody is, every adult is going to die. The only people who are going to survive these 40 years are the little people. And they'll grow up and they'll go into the kingdom, into uh, the promised land. So uh, you, you figure this out. Any, if Israel had anywhere between a million and a million and a half people, uh, adults, when they left Israel, I, I mean when they left Egypt, and they all died during those 40 years, actually about 38 plus some of mine. Uh, <clears throat> you'd have between 70 and 100 deaths every day in Israel. 25,000 people would die every year. Now you say against a million, uh, well, that's a small percentage. Well, it's not that small if you were responsible for burying all these people. And what happens when you bury somebody? There's a lament there, you know, uh, especially if they're younger. I mean, those people had to die because of their disbelief. Well, who made sure that happened? God, God was not happy with the minority report or the majority report. Ten people said, we can't take the land. And God says, well, I'm going to set a limit on what you're going to experience in the next 40 years because of your disbelief. So death, there's a death sentence on a whole generation of people. And God assigned that death. That's why I think Moses, we're consumed by your anger. You're not happy with us. Your wrath dismays us again and again. Our, our iniquities, I mean, Paul, you're reminded every day that sin is the penalty for why people are dying. Our secret sins in the light of your presence, all of our days are declining in your fury. We've finished our years like a sigh. Their pride, their, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. Soon is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? Now let me ask you a couple questions. What do you think about when you suffer? Uh, the first question we always ask, why is this happening to me, God? As if you and I are so righteous, we don't deserve any kind of suffering. Well, it's part of the problem of human experience. Ecclesiastes 1.15, what is crooked cannot be straightened. If I understand the Bible correctly, in Romans 8, verse 15, I think it is, the whole world is subjected to futility because of sin. Who makes sure that happens and the world keeps that, that, that pathway 
of suffering and dealing with it every day? Who makes sure, in a sense, that the penalty of sin is there? And by the way, who also makes sure that the penalty of sin can be relieved through the death of Jesus? And who also made sure that suffering had to be there in our redemption? Wouldn't it be nice if God had said, well, my son doesn't have to die. I'm going to make this offering simple and quick and nobody has to suffer. No, Jesus had to suffer for our sin. There is a penalty for sin. And the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, had to give his life and his blood for you and me and our salvation. I mean, suffering is a part of the world. God designed it that way so that we would go through it trusting him every day with our lives understanding that he's the one who made the world we live in. That's verses 1 and 2. He's behind everything that happens. He works all things together for what? For good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. He has purpose to bring us through and to redeem us from sin and to make our suffering something that's eternally valuable for him. Wasn't it Paul who says in 2 Corinthians 5, we died, our, our infirmities were dying daily for the cause of Christ in our bodies. De death works through us, but life in you, Paul says. You know, I suffer every day, but that's for your advantage. And that's true in all of our suffering, is it not? I think of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a favorite person of mine who models this. You know, her accident happened in 1967. She and I are the same age. And I knew of her. We weren't live. I didn't know her personally, although we've shared some experiences together. But there's nobody in my mind that personifies the trusting of an eternal God in the midst of hardship like Johnny does. God is the one who ordained her trials. No, he didn't cause it to happen, but... He's the one, you know, he set up the world. So if you fall into a, the water and, and it's shallow, you break your neck, you suffer the consequences. We've been consumed by how you set up, by the, set up the world, God. Your settled understanding of how the world operates causes us to be dismayed. In fact, they remind us of my sin. Nobody is free from the penalty of sin. You see where Moses is talking. I mean, I think he's expressing his experience in the desert. Golly, life is hard. Why are you so upset with us, God? Why did you set it up this way? Well, he gives us some answers here as our Lord Jesus does again. Look at verse 12. So I need wisdom how to live. I don't understand everything in the world. I don't understand why so I don't understand the suffering in the middle. I don't understand the suffering of catastrophes all over the world. I, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I know God's responsible. He's been our dwelling places for generation to generation, but I don't understand it. I, I understand people who say, why does God allow all this suffering? I mean, there are philosophical reasons for it, but experientially, you have to go through it. And your faith is what makes you continue to trust God. God, I believe you're in this, working out your will for me, for my family, and in our world. I mean, that's a huge statement to make. 
But it's true if I understand the scriptures. God is in the world and he brought his son into the world to suffer the consequences for sin at the fault of Satan who is assaulting us. Jesus said we will suffer persecution. All people who are godly will suffer that. And we suffer in this life. So what do we need? And that's verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we might present to you, O God, a heart of wisdom. So as I, I'm 74, you know, life goes fast. I don't know how many years I don't, we'll live. I don't know how many years you will live. But I need some perspective the closer I get to the end of life. Now, I would also say to every young person, you need God's perspective in your life. It's be, it would be best if you sought that when you're young. It's best if you sought that when you're in your middle age. It's even better if you seek that as an aging person. God has purpose in our life. He, he's allowed all these experiences. And one of the amazing things for me, Larry and Robin, Dick and Kat, how life cycles back, how we're here together after 40 plus years of knowing each other in another venue in life, and here God cycles our lives back again. What's he up to? Well, he's up to encouraging us through the experiences we both have of trusting him, and we celebrate his presence in our lives. God, give me that perspective to see what you're up to in my life. How you're going to use Vicky and me, how you're going to use our kids, how you're going to use our grandkids, how you're going to use our networks. You know, I've been privileged to be a part of a whole bunch of networks in Dallas through churches and the Christian medical and dental, uh, friendships galore. It's one of the blessings of following Jesus. He's in charge of our lives and he brings us together in so many different ways. But I need his wisdom to see it. I need his leadership. So teach me, God. Help me to know. Teaching, is, it's the Hebrew word yada, to know. Teach me to know who you are, how you work through difficulties, and give me that perspective in my life today. You know, a lot of people would say aging is not the best season of life. You know, because of various ills you may get and aging, your body, you know, Paul says, uh, for light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Well, that's hard to think about as your body weakens as you face various diseases, as you say goodbye to a spouse or other people in your life. But it's true. So teach me to number my days that I may present to you, O God, a heart of wisdom. I want to live a wise life every day you, you give me. I want to see your hand in my life. I want to see your perspective. I want to see your joy in my life. Now think about that. What is the biblical response to challenges and sufferings and all kinds of things like that? James 1, 2. Count it all what? Joy. The theme of the scriptures is God is working something through your challenges that's better for you and better for everybody else and gives glory to Him. My mother died at the age of 96. And for the last two years of her life, she was pretty much bedridden. But my mother had cultivated a life of just giving her life away. She discipled younger women all of her life. She poured her life into so many people. In the last two years of her life, I want to say were her best years in terms of the value, at least as I watched part of it. Women whose, whose lives have been impacted by my mother 
were a steady stream through her home in her last years, her last months. And they just encouraged my mom so much with the value of what she had done for them. I want to say my mom's best years in life were her last years. They were hard physically, they were hard emotionally, they were hard spiritually. But my mother trusted God strongly to the end. She sought God's wisdom, verse 12, and she gave a heart of wisdom back to those whose lives she worked, worked with. Verses 13 through 16. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. I know, can you have a change of mind? I mean, give us a sense of joy in these latter years or whatever years you're going through your trials. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. I'll contrast that with the hard years from verses 7 to 11. I don't want to be caught up in all the questions that are unanswered because I don't know why God does certain things. I do know He does them for His advantage and your greatest joy. He does. Like Johnny Erickson, Todd, whoever it is, whatever's happening, God works in our lives for His purposes that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. I love verse 15, make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and all the years we've seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. I want to summarize this and say, your life is never wasted in any sense at all when you trust God. Hardships are never wasted any time when you, whenever you trust God. All the challenges of life, whether they're marriage, family, work, physical health, relationship, whatever they are, church, whatever they are, they're all being used for God's purposes in your life. You may not be aware of it. You may not be able to make sense of it. But that's my cry for wisdom. God, help me to understand. Help me to understand what you're doing in my marriage. Help me understand what you're doing in my life, and my body. Help me to understand what you're doing with my kids. Help me understand what you're doing with my grandkids. Help me understand what you're doing in our culture and what you want to do with the church in our culture. There's not one of us here who would not lament the trends that are happening in our culture. But let me tell you, God's in charge, is He not? And He wants to use you and me in the midst of a culture that is jettisoned everything we hold dear, in a sense, for our good and for, for our, His purposes in us. So what does He want us to do? Well, number one, He wants us to be bold, step up and help. Give us, give others His perspective in our lives. You know, you know we're not failing. God hasn't gotten off His throne but he's in charge and all things move according to his will. Amen? Amen? They do. So Moses says, let your work, that ultimate purpose, appear to your servants, that's me, and your majesty to our children. By the way, a simple truth that I point out in this psalm, uh, <clears throat> Moses uses the plural uh, pronoun for us. We're doing this together. I I'm sure Moses had his own trials personally. God, why is this happening to me? Who are you? <laughs> but it's us. It's Vicki and me. It's you and Robin. It's our family. It's our kids. It's our church. What are you doing through Grace Redeemer Community Church? What's your purpose for us? God has a purpose for you. So teach us 
you, you know, to number our days, to value what you've done in Grace Community all these years and where you're taking us for all of your purposes. Why is life happening the way it happens? Well, I don't know all the answers, but I want to pursue God and I want to seek that together, don't you? I mean, isn't that why God calls a church into existence? The body of Christ is there to help us. And we care about our kids. We care about the next generation. I want to say the best thing we can do as a senior generation or as a generation that is ahead of those coming behind us is to personify the work of God in our lives so that our kids will have a vibrant example of men and women in their latter years who are living strong, bold lives for Christ in these years more than you ever have in the past. I want to say to every one of us who are parents, the best thing our kids need is a dad or a mom or a granddad or a grandmom or whatever, a great-grandparent of people who are trusting you in their lives. And these are our most vibrant years for Jesus. I think that's the sense of Psalm 90, isn't it? God, you've been our dwelling place all these years. Now it comes down to me. You want to use me in life in spite of the things I don't understand. You want to work out your will in my life for others to see. He has one more verse I want to close with. Verse 17. So in light of everything that's happened, in light of the challenges, in light of the hardship, in light of the fact that I think you're against me sometimes, God, you make life hard. And at times he does, doesn't he? Watch this. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. In spite of the challenges in life, in spite of the things you don't understand, in spite of the things that make you feel like God has forgotten you. Psalm 71, 17, O oh God, you have taught me from a youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, O oh God, until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. We may feel as if God isn't in our core, in our corner all the time. Why don't you take your hand away from me? That's what Job's lament was. And he didn't understand it all was part of a heavenly war, a heavenly, you know, war that was going on and God and this devil are resting. And we're caught up in that every day in this life. So we need wisdom. So let the favor of our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands Yes, confirm the work of our hands. He prays this twice. Confirm the work of our hands means uh, through my life, I want to have a sense of permanence. You, you want to leave a permanent legacy of your life. My mother and dad left that for me. Two parents who trusted God with their lives in powerful ways, and they have I'm not where I am because of me. I'm where I am because of the grace of God and people have influenced me and poured their life into me. And I want to cry out now, Lord, confirm the work of my life and my hands just as you did it through others, just as you did it through my professors at Dallas Seminary, friends that I've had that have poured their life into me. Yes, confirm the work of my hands. It asks this question, what is your purpose here? What is your purpose at your age now? God wants to use you and me in powerful ways, quiet ways that work their way into our neighbors' lives, our communities, our kids, our grandkids, 
They leave an example. God, give me a sense of permanence in spite of, I have a few years, maybe 70, maybe 80, maybe a few more. But in every one of those years, the young people, I mean, there's several of us here. I mean, you know, we're all young, aren't we? You know, like Satchel Paige said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? You know, whatever age you are, I want to have a sense of permanence with my life. I would say to young parents as they rear kids, I say this to my kids, as they rear their kids, my grandkids, I want you to have a sense of permanence in their lives so that those kids will grow up trusting Jesus as the anchor point in their life. And if they don't see it, mom and dad, they, you, you know, you can't leave that example. So as the church has generations in it, that's what we as a church, the older people, the older generations leave with the younger generations. Confirm the work of our hands. And I'll add one more thing and then we'll close. I'm, I, as a church, you should pray, God, confirm the legacy of why you brought Grace Redeemer Community Church into existence. Would you confirm it again and again and again? And would you, as his people in this church, seek his wisdom in getting from verse 12 to verse 17? Teach me to number my days, have a sense of purpose about them. Make them count so that I can leave a confirmation through my life of your work here in this church. So I would apply this to you personally, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a church member, as a fellowship at Grace Redeemer Community Church. Have a sense of purpose and seek God for it and say, God, live your life out through me so that other people will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this church has God's hand on it and we're leaving a legacy for him. Does that make sense? So follow the psalm. Begins, God's our dwelling place. You know, you've made life temporary. We have a lot of hardships. We need to see God. I want to see that live through my family and confirm the work of your hands. Yes, he prays it twice. Confirm the work of our hands. I hope Psalm 90 is etched in your mind and your heart every day as you think about Moses leading the children of Israel and what his challenge was. And those challenges are the same in our lives today, aren't they? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Moses' testimony in Psalm 90. I pray that his story, we would identify with it and we would follow it. We would anchor our lives in you. We would sense the transitoriness of life. And even though life may be hard and challenging, you have designed in the hardship a plan for our redemption and our greatest joy. So teach us to number our days that we would present to you a heart of wisdom, understanding the work of Jesus on the cross for us, that we may live daily in the fullness of his spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and be about his task in our families, in our church, and wherever we go. I pray this. For this church and for these people, us as individuals and our families, that we would live lives strong for you and have your confirmation that we're walking in your ways every day. Thanks for the opportunity to share these scriptures together this morning. Work in our hearts, Lord Jesus, I pray.